Hey, I'm Tori. I'm Justin. And I'm Ryan. Have you always wanted to explore the world of sports but haven't found an accessible barrier of entry? Or maybe you're just a sports expert who wants to laugh about who won, who lost, and who makes way too much money. Or maybe you just want to understand Ted Lasso better. Regardless of your relationship with sports, Good Game is there to break it down for you. It's a podcast about sports for rookies, veterans, and everyone in between. Whatever is happening in sports, Justin, Tori, and I will be there to talk through it all. With jokes, hot takes, and sometimes literal tears. So check out Good Game, a Trident Network podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God, hi. Welcome to Disney Adult, the podcast where Chicago comedians review Disney properties from the perspective of adults. We're talking Ant-Man. That's the man with the ants. I am joined by Andy Mahalik and Garrett Kelly, and we are here to discuss People's 2021st Hottest Man on Earth, Paul Rudd, as he becomes the Ant-Man. So let's get into Scott Lang, former convict turned Polly Pocket super thief as he wages war against a bald man with daddy issues, turning people into snot for attention. Without further ado, here we go. We're here today talking about Ant-Man. And I, I do have to uh, be very clear. I did set this up in particular because Garrett. Hello. Loves Ant-Man. It's great. Andy, my Hello. husband, hates Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> so I was hoping I could bring you two here and watch you fight. Fine. I'm into it. Verbally. Uh, we were watching Ant-Man the first one. Um, <laughs> not Ant-Man and the Wasp. Not Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. There's, yeah, there's going to be a third. Yeah. Um, one thing, and also, we've if you've listened to this, you, we already know that you are both MCU fans. Garrett, mm-hmm. you like comics as well as MCU. Andy, you are strictly MCU. Correct. Um, you, I will say rewatching this, my perspective was changed based on some of the things that Garrett, you have told me right. about the Ant-Man character in the comic book, specifically Hank Pym, not Scott Lang. I love Scott Lang. I love Paul Rudd, but Hank Pym is Ant-Man. Would you mind giving us like a brief, like couple sentence crash course into why that character is interesting to you? For the listeners at home, um, Ant-Man throughout history, because he's a very, very old character, as old as Iron Man, but as old as Captain America, his whole arc is that he's always second best. He tries super mm-hmm. hard to do things the right way, but always fails in some way. So like Ultron was his creation because he was trying to compete with Tony Stark. Uh, he created the Pym Particles and became Ant-Man because he was trying to re- replicate the soldier serum, super soldier serum that creates Captain America. Um, he's not the smartest human on earth, but probably number two or three because Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four is technically the smartest, maybe the smartest character in all of the MCU universe. Um, but Hank Pym becomes the scientist supreme. That's a little further down the rabbit hole. So, and he is from a moral standpoint, probably the most conflicted, like actual dark hero that you can look at, look to because he has a, uh, a pretty checkered past where he did a pretty unforgivable thing against his wife, the Wasp. Uh, yeah, it is int- because now rewatching this movie last night because I had just done a podcast with you, what two days ago? Mm-hmm. I liked the movie a lot more 
knowing that backstory because I think Michael Douglas read the comics because this guy is a little violent. He's a little violent. You can see, wait, is this guy the good guy? Yeah. And like Scott Lang has, or Michael Pena has to ask that too Mm -hmm. because he's not all good. Very, I mean, that makes a more interesting character too. Yeah, very much so. The only time I ever tried to read a comic, I'm someone that needs to start at the beginning of everything. Like I've never played the oh, Final yeah, Fantasy. Oh yeah, best of luck. Best of luck. Best I of luck. I can't do it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I like a linear story. There's a lot of pro- There's a lot of reasons I can't do comics. Uh, but the only time I tried is that I tried to read like the first Avenger comic, and I the only thing I think I know is that the Ant Man was actually the first Avenger. Correct. I think from from like becoming an Avenger because he worked with shield in the government a long time too. Like he was employed to make the super soldier serum. He yeah. was employed yeah. to do these things. Cause no, that again, not a comic book person. So if that's wrong, cool. Um, but going into the movie, the first thing I liked about this movie, the first time I saw it, I remember was being like, Oh, they took Hank Pym. Who's this famous, like older character. And they kind of threw that out the window since they messed and made Iron Man like the actual in the MCU, the first one. Yeah. I kind of like that. that mm-hmm. They didn't just rewrite Hank Pym's character. They just gave us a new Ant-Man. Well, Scott Lang is in the comics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not the original. He's Ant-Man. not the original. Is, gotcha. He is a he is a thief that stole Hank Pym's tech and then became beloved and became oh. Ant-Man. Sounds like a movie I saw last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of. Um, we know that Garrett likes this movie. How do you feel about this movie? Um, I, I, it's true. It's not that I dislike this movie. I did rank it pretty low when we once ranked all of my favorite movies. And I think at the time it was just because it felt very singular and very like mm-hmm. unnecessary. But now I think we've had enough of those. And I look back and I think like rewatching as you're doing this podcast, a lot of them with you, realizing like how bad some of the other ones are like yeah Thor. it's really been eye-opening woof right i have fallen asleep every single time i've ever watched this movie ant-man <laughs> ant-man even uh-huh. last night i dozed off for 20 seconds and then i when i came to i thought i need to be awake for this because i'm going to talk about it tomorrow no i think it's pretty good i can cover you on the 20 that you missed yeah me yeah, too please yeah, do. I well. yeah okay yeah. <laughs> um, um so let's dive into the plot shall we yeah. In 1989, scientist Hank Pym resigns from S.H.I.E.L.D. after discovering their attempt to replicate his Ant-Man shrinking technology. Believing the technology would be dangerous if replicated, Pym vows to hide it for as long as he lives. Let's start right there. I notoriously have no ability to recognize bad CGI. But I know something was up with their faces in this scene. I thought it was great. Oh, I didn't notice anything. I mean, obviously they aged down, Michael oh, Douglas. Yeah. But my bar is the Irishman for <laughs> very, very bad oh, yeah. piece of shit. I haven't seen that, but Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah. Woof. Tron Legacy, the music is so good, though. But you're right. And I do watch adult movies as well, but the dogs in Cruella <laughs> are bad. They're bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> 102 Dalmatians, though. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Here's my thing. Just hire another actor. People are not that dumb that they can't believe, 
oh, this person was this person 30 years ago, 40 yeah. years ago, and now it's Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Because you know what you can't CGI? Teeth. Long in the gums. That's a real thing that happens to our bodies, folks. Oh. If you look at that man's teeth in that scene. You can't CGI movement either. And if mm. you ever talk about Captain Marvel, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson moves yeah. like he's made of sand. It's so funny to say that because Michael Douglas exiting the room after punching the guy in this movie, I was like, how did they get him to move young? Yeah, that was right. one of the things when he smashes that guy's face on the counter, I thought, oh, he is violent. <laughs> well, Michael Douglas used to be an action star That's way true. back when. So I bet he's still got a little bit giddy yeah, up. He and, can do it. I mean, Captain Zeta Jones. She's not married up for nothing. <laughs> hey. Hey, ladies. She had every option. <laughs> okay. Andy notoriously hates Catherine Zeta-Jones. No. Not because he dislikes no. her as a person. Only on the stage. Because he dislikes one rendition of Send in the Clowns, where she is sitting on a bed and making the most bizarre choices as she starts singing. She starts doing this neck roll thing. She neck acts. She's a neck actor. Send in you should the go watch clowns. it, everyone. Huh. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Send in the Clowns. Probably circa like 2009 or 10. She's singing like she's trying to get water out of her ears. Oh, maybe she is. I okay. don't it's hate her, though. Uh, Entrapment, I think it's a great Entrapment. movie. Zorro? Mask of Zorro? Sure. Wow. Watchable, for sure. Watchable? <laughs> <laughs> It's up there. It's, yeah. it's up there with like the mummy. The mummy. Mummy now. That's yeah. in this house. Yeah. The mummy is a perfect film. Yeah. But the mummy is wonderful. Speaking of other perfect films, uh, what happens attraction, after? Michael. Oh, what happens in this, <laughs> this movie that we've brought here to see? Pee Wee Herman. Um, uh, so Pim vows to hide this as long as he lives. Uh, in the present day, Pim's estranged daughter, Hope Van Dyme, who's wearing a fabulous wig. It's great. It is a oh. wig. Okay. You th- okay. Good. It's a wig. It's a great wig. Mm-hmm. It's a bad haircut. Yeah. But no, it's no, a great no, 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 no. I would, no? I would argue the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal haircut. It's clearly a wig. Oh, sure. And I live right. in a world where you don't need to hide the fact that you're wearing a wig. I know I say that as a drag queen, but like sometimes we'll be watching a movie and Andy will go, "Oh, that's a wig. I can't concentrate on anything but the wig." I can't watch Venom because of Michelle Williams' wig. Oh, okay. I can't. I, the whole <laughs> yeah. movie was ruined. <laughs> I thought I was like, that's not special effects. That's Venom is one giant wig on top of it. Venom is a wig. Um, Also, the new Doctor or the new Spider-Man trailer that has come out, Doctor Strange is wearing a very clear wig, and the internet has lit up about it because it's bad. I look bad. Same with CGI. I'm not. I don't have a lot of attention to detail. I guess is what I'm saying. Because you can have bad CGI and you can have a bad wig. That does not bother me at all. You like camp. I love it camp. Is camp. I mean, Doctor Strange is camp. Mm-hmm. Yo, yeah. There's elements of camp in this movie as well, which we'll get to. Mm, no, I'm going. Hope Van Dyme, his um, and former protege Darren Cross, have forced him out of his company, Pym Technologies. Cross is close to perfecting a shrinking suit of his own, the Yellow Jacket, which horrifies Pym. I was a little confused at the top of this movie as mm-hmm. to whether or not. How far back the estrangement between Hope and um, Hank. Hank goes, and also his relationship with Darren Cross is yeah, a little confusing sense. because I feel like yep. were they friends at one point? Did he always come in trying to make take this company on? It was well, Darren and, Cross is such a crybaby every time he talks. He's about sad it. here. He's like, "You broke my heart." That that I'm always like, "What?" 
happened. And this actor, he was in a few things at the time. He's supposed to be a genius. He cannot portray genius. No. no. Like, this guy looks like a businessman. Yep. He does not look like a scientific, like, smart at guy at all. No, you're right. And they kind of make it so that, like, oh, are they having a relationship, him and Hope? Yeah. But that never really came across. Purely physical. Oh. I would think. I would say purely emotional. I would say he cries at her and she like combs his hair. Yeah. Because they both have daddy issues. (sighs) The same daddy issues. Yeah. Who the hell has time for that? Yeah. Um, It is confusing. Like, did he retire or was he forced off his own company? He was forced out. How do you... but, the, uh, but how do you later. hide like your your own company's paper? Like I was very confused by a lot of things. I was really more focused on uh, Paul Rudd, though. Well, speaking of, let's get to Paul Rudd because upon, um, he's in prison when we first meet him, and they're going through like some goodbye ritual where they beat each other up. But in a fun way, let's talk about that. How fun prison is? Well, <laughs> it's just sort of like reimagines it. Not everyone there is a bad person. That's yeah, right. And there's a lot of come on. Well, no, I'm saying there is no way. That maybe I'm wrong. I've never been to prison. There's no way that it's like a jovial celebration. I'm sure most people are like, okay, goodbye. See you on the outside. Like, see you when I see you. I don't know. I think it is. You've worked in a restaurant, the kitchen. Okay, a restaurant is not dissimilar from a prison. <laughs> I think when you go behind into that you kitchen. You know what I will say they did a really good job of in this similar. film? What are prisoner like, what are ex convicts supposed to do? When they get out, like as a, a society, what are they supposed to do? There's a lot of great subtle progressive like thought. It was wonderful. Film. I I mean, yeah. it really made me feel like, I mean, not that I haven't thought about this before, because I, as somebody who works in the staffing industry, I know firsthand of like having to tell people that their record is going to cost them a job and stuff like that. And it's just like what literally I, there's no other question that what are people supposed, how are people? supposed to not fall back into the only ways they can make money illegally if we do not have some type of track for individuals who are out of prison to make a livable wage I mean, legally right. your that punishment is, was true. prison and now it's it should it's be a life over sentence. yeah but it's a life sentence after. to the point where i was like why even send this man to prison why not just like give him some sort and of and he did white collar crime also and you know who would yeah. know this the most is a police officer like Judy Dude. Greer's husband, who are both like, get out of this home, go find an apartment, pay, yeah. pay child, child support. support. That drove that me was nuts. nuts. I was like, he'd been out of prison for three days. Crazy. I mean, I sidebar, I love Judy Greer. I love, I love Judy, Judy Greer. Greer. And I love Bobby, whatever his face is, who plays Moynihan. <laughs> <laughs> The brother from Everybody Loves Raymond, yes. Bobby from uh, King of the Hill. Bobby's World. Yeah. <laughs> no, but oh. that, and that's another thing. It's like this cop, new husband, sucked. He was a oh, bad guy. So and probably sucked. a bad, dirty cop, too. And talk yeah. about progressive, like, cool things here. This was six years before the mm-hmm. rest of America caught mm-hmm. up. Yeah. For real. He's such Th- a this, cop. That cop has a micro penis and everyone knows it. He behaves, he's so threatened by everything around him. The other fun part of that, his partner uh, is most famous for his role as Avon Barksdale in The Wire, uh, drug lord mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Wow. And I think, I, I honestly think that casting was, and this guy being a bad cop was saying, <laughs> like, yeah, all cops aren't great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, I have never seen a more accurate depiction of working in customer service than when oh. Scott Lang, the Dairy entire Queen. scene, he's Baskin Robbins. Thank you oh, very Baskin much. Baskin Robbins. The entire scene, he's in Baskin Robbins from the way the customers are like spewing nonsense at him to the boss like thinking is real cool but firing him anyway. Every part of it. That was great. It was real. Oh. Like the customer was, so was real. real. The boss was real. The whole like, you can take a smoothie and I won't. Yeah, this is me giving doing you a solid. That has happened to me. <laughs> I've watched a manager like eating on the clock when it's clearly against the rules and look at me and be like, you can do this too. Like what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and Scott took the smoothie. Yeah, he sure did. Because what like, else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? <laughs> You've said this. I think we've all said this separately before, but the last person I remember saying it was you, Garrett, that people should be legally required to work in the customer service field mm-hmm. for four years. Yeah, I, bef- right after high school, like the Israeli armed services, like you need to. <laughs> this is our mandatory service. Like, or as part of high school, sure. Anything last two years. I, well, I think there should be a gap between you go to college also after high school mm-hmm. to help you. So what, I'm 30 until I get my life started, Garrett? Yeah. It kind of worked out that way for me. Yeah, anyway. you should not go to college at 18. You don't no. know what well, your they, body does. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like. If you compare the life expectancy now, we've digressed, but if you compare the life expectancy now to what it was, we're still doing the same rituals when we live three times longer. So you're not wrong. I'm going to digress even further. I want to know what is the worst. So Andy and I met working customer service at Family Video. When I say the reason people need to work amongst the people is to realize how awful the people are, how awful we as a society are. We have had people... We worked at a video rental store. We have had people take human dumps on the floor. We have had people pee. We've had people overdose. We've had people scream at us. We've had people fight in the parking lot. I once witnessed two women fight with babies on their hips, <laughs> both independently. I think that's a that's more Pennsylvania than family video, maybe. Uh, I don't know, baby. <laughs> I, I worked at an Applebee's as a waiter that was in between a Cabela's, which is like a Bass Pro, and oh, yeah. a NASCAR Speedway. Oh, wow. it, oh my God. They literally, we were the flagship Applebee's because no one else was busier. In the whole wow. America <laughs> world of Applebee's, no one was busier. How could they be? What what a position. I was a waiter. Uh, but you could put a sign on the door. It didn't have to say closed. If it said, no ranch, mm. uh, we'd be dead. There wouldn't be a soul <laughs> that would walk in that door. It's as good as, <laughs> you might start a riot before you'd get a customer. Like Yeah. It's a, oh. So he can't work. He can't get this job, but he's still trying to stay, keep his head above water, not go back to, which by the way, they set it up as though he was like some major thief beforehand where he really just had like one major Robin Hood moment, right? Or did I miss something? It was one, he might've had another, but that was like a massive thing. That would be like, uh, by the way, oh, even more than Snowden, I bet. Michael Pena is so funny he's such a treasure michael pena i think is the best side character in all of the mcu like i don't know so good i was i watched an interview of him today because i was interested in seeing like he's such a good actor he's completely different from this character he's so like engaging and big and and does uh, he become a superhero that character i don't think so is there a track for that there should be i don't think so 
there should be. He's so good. He's so good because he's so, so funny in that opening monologue. Mm-hmm. That montage has been done so many times, but they do it so What a wonderful fresh and tool. Well. Like, what? how funny. His choices are amazing. Yeah. When he picks oh. up Scott from prison. He gives, it, gives him all that bad news. Yeah, but with this, like, slight, subtle smile and all yeah. these pauses that says, like, yeah, what's up? Uh, yeah, so my dad's got deported. <laughs> my mom died. I got that the girl van. broke up. Yeah. But how about this van? Yeah. Oh, so brilliant. Um, so eventually, because this stepdad's being a real tool, uh, and his ex-wife is kind of being a little unforgiving. That is crazy. I think yeah. that might be another like subtle thing of like, I don't, I don't want to say father's rights. That's probably a, a weird rabbit hole. But <laughs> maybe more, more about how rough it is on a prisoner. About yeah. the, uh, men who are going through the prison system. Coming back and having to pay child support with a f- family that's clearly doing, doing clearly well. fine. It's a two-income that system. She, he can't go to her birthday party. They own a house. Are, Are they some... in San Fran? Yeah. It looks like it. Then they're fine. Yeah. Owning There's property? something about <sighs> Judy Greer's character that I don't understand. Like... I, I don't think she's been given a, a, a fully Enough. well-rounded character or, in this one. Or, you know, she, well. it's like the same characters in Jurassic World and Halloween. And, like, if you just need kind of a, like, if you need sad, the Judy Greer. stressed out Judy Greer, she, she can do she's it. brilliant at it. You know who I was watching her, and when we talk about the President's Club, I was thinking she'd be a much better Captain Marvel than Brie Larson. She'd be a great Captain Marvel. Great Captain Marvel. I'd like to see her. As She'd Pepper be a Potts. great. And Sword I love Pots. She'd be a great Pepper Maria Potts. Hill. Yeah, give she's her great. More. I like she's Maria Hill. I like them all though. Great. Yeah. I, well, I think, and you might not might get into this, but this this film had a switch of directors halfway through. I did not know this. Oh, that answers a lot of questions. Not so, me. Uh, Seamless. <laughs> Edgar Wright, who did the like uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, right. Hot Fuzz, all those. He was doing most of this. He wrote most of the script and then switched because he wanted to do At World's End halfway through. Mm. Um, and so then another director, I forget the name. Peyton Reed. And finished it. And so I think I think we're missing some scenes mm. that maybe not were not fully done or fully shot that okay. pieced together some of these more backstories. Yeah, that yeah. would help me. Yeah, that's my theory. Because yeah. it doesn't make sense that they're doing so well and they're so hard on them. Like, he would have had to have been a little bit more of an ass, I would think. Mm, yeah. yeah. But then again, I'm not a parent. Who knows? So, um, by the way, this little girl is so, so cute. Great. I love her. She's such a good actress. When she her asks... Timing. Her comedic timing. When she asks the cop, her stepdad, like, are you going to find my dad? She does this brilliant move She's eating cereal, like all kids do. This brilliant move where she says, you going to look for my dad? And she leans back in her chair, and she hikes up her arm over the chair, like, so you're going to try to find my dad? I hope you never find him. I hope you never find him. I hope you get shot out there today. (laughs) She loves this ugly-ass stuffed animal. That's our niece has that... We bought her, they make intentionally ugly animals, and we bought her one, and she, same reaction. And that has a callback towards the end. Oh, good. Chef's kisses. So, um, does she become a superhero? No. Yes. But does she? Yes, she does. Oh, I don't know if it's part of the story. Cassie? But she, Cassie Lang. Oh, yes, of course. Cassie Lang becomes a superhero. Ladies and gentlemen, girl. hold on to your butts. But, she's coming up soon, but she's going to be recast. But think about, like, 
Scott Lang comes through and he says, I can't believe I missed so much time with her from oh. the prison. He doesn't want to miss any more time. But then they're like, you can't come in. You can't come to this house until you pay child support. Blah, 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 blah. And then picture that with Endgame and Infinity Correct. War. And he, he has missed so much time. It hit me so hard when he <gasps> said that. I was like, I don't know if that was Marvel knowing what was about to happen. But oof. It Ugh. was because Kevin Feige, or maybe they retconned it like this would be perfect to happen. But yeah, uh, he got the 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 script from Edgar Wright, so so good. So they, um, so he ends up stealing this suit. That we hear Michael Pena's character um, goes on this that huge <laughs> wonderful story where they jump back and forth. It's so well done, and they say that there's essentially something in this vault, in this house that only this guy can steal. So he decides to steal it because he's sort of at, there's nothing else he can do. Um, goes down, it's nothing but a suit. Steals the suit, finds out it is um, the Ant Man suit. Has a the the way they did this was wonderful because when I saw this in theaters, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna care about Ant Man. It just doesn't seem like a power set that's particularly interesting. And I was immediately bought in. The moment he hits that bathtub floor. Did you like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as a child? Loved it. And the it was one of the best rides at Disney World. It absolutely oh, was. I never I shrunk the audience. And there was also uh, a park. Do you remember that? When I was real, real young, there was a, um, a giant park where everything was giant and the kids could run through it. And it you felt like you were in. That's cute. This was one quick side note. That guy who plays like the computer dude. Uh, David mm-hmm. Dast Malchian or whatever his last name is. He what else is he in? I'll we tell know. you. He's Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad, so <sighs> he doubles up there. He was also in The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. He was one of the other ones, and then he—I think he has a—he was also in the Flash CW series. Yeah, this guy's all over the Marvel and DC like world, and nobody even knows him. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy I thought thing. he was, and now that you say that out loud, I thought he was the weasel from the new Suicide Squad, but that's actually the sidekick to Yondo and uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. Oh. That weasel oh, is he's also a oh, so Tim funny. Well, that's because he's James Gunn's brother. What? <gasps> yeah. Jam- uh, Kurt from Gilmore Girls? Yeah, he's James Gunn's brother, and that, that he kind of helps co-write a lot of those things. I am... Is the only way to get a job in Hollywood to have a sibling who's already in Hollywood? Nepotism, yeah. Holy bananas. <laughs> Just being pretty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, by that logic, Rudd, I have a job set for, for me at Children's time. Hospital. Paul Rudd, Kansan. Uh, David. Kansan's Paul Rudd, not a word. Paul Rudd is so hot in this movie. <laughs> He's, He's so gorgeous. Good. He's always hot. He is always hot, but there's a glow up in this. I was looking at pictures of him, and I was like, why is has everybody all of a sudden in love with him? Because he's had a middle part with like a, a, a short bob for the last 10 years in all of his movies. He has real long hair that combs over to the sides. And then I think Ant-Man, he didn't really bulk up. I think he just like sort of trimmed, trimmed a little bit yeah. and then got that slick haircut. And then all of a sudden, boy-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o
And I don't think her, I think her, when her mother died, she was left with a man who's a little bit of a narcissist and who's a little bit violent. Well, she wasn't even left because he he left her for like five or six years trying to find his wife in the quantum realm. Yeah. But she she had a rough one. I still blame the cops. What of was their course. evidence? This guy had nothing on him and he was just jumping back over a fence. And yeah. So now he goes to jail forever? Get out of here. Yeah. Bad cops. Stupid. Uh, anyway, they he then coordinates his own escape from this scene is once again amazing where he's riding around on this. Um, Anthony. Anthony, the ant, (laughs) 289 or whatever, 247. Um, He, and they take him back to uh, Hank's house. Hank's house is gorgeous, by the way. So beautiful. This is the charmed house. Mm -hmm. And I love that they shot this in the haunted mansion at Disney World because this house is gorgeous. It has the same wallpaper. It has the same vibe. Why is the house so, yeah, why is the house so mystical? But this is not a mystical thing. Like, he just lives in a gorgeous witch house. Well, I think when you meet Michelle Pfeiffer in, in the later, you realize she probably decorated it. Because that yeah. woman is a witch. And, look at her and the movie. kitchen it's did scary. look like it was a pot belly. <laughs> it had the same wallpaper and wood paneling of the Midwest sandwich belly. shop you pot know, bellies. You can make a lot of good food out of a pot belly. Yeah. This podcast is promoted by Panera, Panera though. Uh, <laughs> should mention. I should take that back. It's sponsored. Um, craft so, macaroni. And meanwhile, Cross perfects is perfecting the uh, yellow jacket. He's just killing people left and right. Here's my quick thing. You don't need to. You don't need to fr- shrink bodies to make this crazily powerful. Go throw that thing on a car. Everyone in that car is dead. Yeah. Go do that to a building. Everyone in that building's dead. Why Those would you want to shrink? Yeah. It's. Um, Get here, Cross, idiot. So he. I mean, he's also. Mm. He just is like, I don't hate him or like him enough. He just seems like blah. Well, he just seems sad. This is that moment where they're killing lambs, right? Yeah. Oh, those poor lambs. You can hear them scream at night. Turning them into goo. But what a brilliant line there that's like, I thought we were using rats. And he's like, does it matter? Right. Does it? Like, oh, <laughs> lambs are cuter. It should. It's it should. I know. It's so much about our own perspective and like what we think is like when people talk about how, you know, anyway, or like when people remember there's that horse meat scare a couple years ago. People are like, I can't believe there would be horse meat in burgers and stuff. And I'm like, okay. Apart from distance on the farm, what is separating the horse from the cow? Do you know what I mean? Right. Quality of life. Yeah, and the I cows think got it worse. We think horses are cuter, so it's less bad to kill them. But cows are fair game, and cows are adorable. Cows are adorable. It's nuts. It's it's like dolphins save tuna. Yeah, it's like oh thank God no dolphin was in this other fish. Also, <laughs> how fucked up are we as humans that we're fine with these things being killed, but I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love fish. I don't want to eat a fish where the eyes are looking at me. Like when they serve head on fish. Here's the other thing: people eat lamb. Yeah, you could go any city in the U.S. and find that on the menu. Yeah, like oh well, I had not lamb this week. Yeah, yeah, Oy. Um. So yeah, he's he's turning all these people into snot. He's turning these lambs into snot. <laughs> he's trying to figure out um, these pin particles. <laughs> um, he's trying to figure out these pin particles. There's also a moment where um, 
they have to get some sort of reactor from the Avengers Initiative. Like when they team up and they this decide that they're into this together. Mm-hmm. And at this, there's a lot. Of, here's the reason why I think I fall asleep during these movie. This movie in particular, there's a lot of stories happening at once. There's a lot of storylines happening at once. Um, Scott has this thing going on with his family. Hope and Hank have their own mutual issues. They have then separately, they have their issues with this guy who now is running the lab. They're also establishing Ant-Man's connection with the Avengers in this scene. There's also the stuff with, it's just, there's so many overlapping stories that sometimes interweave with one another and sometimes inter, but none of them seemed important enough for me to be like, oh, this is the main storyline. Uh, I, to be honest, I mean, I don't think any of that's that confusing, but I do think what was weird to me is that Hank Pym followed this, somehow set up, goes to some like birthday party, bra- I lost the story, planted the right. seeds yeah. so that eventually Paul Rudd's character gets the to know that he's in a vault but he doesn't know that the avengers he doesn't have active surveillance of the avengers facility he thinks that's just a barren wasteland well i mean potentially it was set up in the last movie oh by the way there's so many crossover things there's so many things that right only make sense if you're watching these movies back to back like i didn't realize that that avengers initiative was set up in the previous avengers ultron right at the very end because I watched them so far away, because I watched these two a day after one another, I was like, oh yeah, they just introduced this place. No wonder it's in the next movie. Right, because it, it was just an empty warehouse until literally like probably a month ago. That weekend. Yeah. <laughs> where Okay, I'll same. buy that. But I also agree. I think it was also, this si- side plot was kind of a little ham-fisted of saying, okay, well, th- remember, this is all part of the big Avengers world. Yeah. You haven't seen anybody else from this world. That, or like, hey, Falcon matters, guys. I think that... Like, let's yeah. let Falcon Which, by right. the way, Which, or works on me. I sure. know, I fully know, I'm in this scene watching this going, they want me to care about Falcon. It's either that and or... I do. Who's the cheapest oh. guy with the best impact? Uh, yeah, well, who, who are we not going to pay for? $14 million to get who's to still excited to be part of this project yeah <laughs> but to me I care about Falcon less because it's like this, this Scott's very new with this suit and he mm-hmm. kicks the crap out of Falcon I'm like he what really is the point of Falcon mm-hmm. I like to see bring I like Falcon's fighting stuff like I they make yeah. him seem cooler than I ever would have thought a man with wings could be right but you are correct he kicks his ass with with Two weeks of training from Hope Van Dyme. Another thing I, that drives me crazy in movies is when somebody who's been studying martial arts their entire life <laughs> brings someone up to speed over the weekend. Oh, sure. Like, well, why have you been trying all your life if it can be learned in two days? I don't think he was a great martial artist by the end or through okay. that training. I think because in the very first, in the prison sh- show or shot, it's like he can throw a punch. He can yeah. throw an okay punch and he's kind of crafty. Mm-hmm. He's got a six pack. He's got a six pack. He's pretty nimble. He's athletic, been to prison. But you're right. Like his his training montage did not make it so that oh he's yeah, juiced up on Baskin Robbins. You could easily do a bat. You could easily do an arm bar out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. arm bar. Yeah. Could you imagine? Why don't the Avengers use more arm bars? <laughs> use more clotheslines. Boom. Yeah. Um. So they get the piece of particle that they need, and at this moment is the most. Pi- this is the scene I remember more than anything else in this whole movie. Hank Pym walks through the sliding doors of his uh, kitchen to see Cross standing in his living room. Oh, that was a good one. It made me jump last night when we were watching it. I was like, oh. They also do a real close-up on his face. And then in the the next 
scene, not the next scene, but like the next frame, he's actually 50 feet away from him. But when they cut to him, it's right, it's in his nostrils. Um, this scene is so good. All the characters are so well acted. I mean, Scott's sort of like Scott's things that they're all so good in this. It builds the tension. It sets the scene when he calls her in the car on the way home. And he says like, yeah, she calls him senile. And he looks at Scott and Scott's like, (laughs) so good. That's my favorite scene of the whole movie. And the guy's a good villain there. Like he's Mm -hmm. a good businessman villain. I think he's better than, uh, was it Jeff Bridges and Iron Man? Um, Yeah. Obadiah Stane. Stane. Uh, I just don't believe him as a brilliant scientist, but he's pretty menacing as like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he knows what's up. He knows people. He seems so sad. That seems his motivator is like, I'm sad inside. Yeah, and I want to be rich. Or like, I just want Hank to treat me like a son. No, it's lit. I mean, it's literally like, look what I did, dad. Yeah. Yeah. With a little bit of fuck you, dad. Yeah. Like, with just a hint of, like, you could have done this, but I, you weren't man enough to. Yeah. But to the dad who did do it 50 years ago. Right. <laughs> My thing. And hid the but, it's a recipe. Remember when he's like, by the way, I'm selling to Hydra. They're not who they used to be. That's I'm so like, funny. That you is killed so a guy funny. point blank in a bathroom. Why do you have to pretend like Hydra's not? Why would you care that Hydra's... Yeah. Not what they used to be. Well, Just I, be think, like, I think that's more outward than inward. Like, he would have sold to an old Hydra. Like, yeah. Hydra. But it's so funny that he's just like, yeah, I'm selling the Hydra. You know what they <laughs> used to be. You should see what they're, they're coming out with iPhone cases. Because yeah. <laughs> oh Hydra's just a, a comic book name for Nazi. So, like, he's just literally like. Oh, uh, it's Illuminati behind the Nazis. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. but he's just like, yeah, I sold to the Nazis. Yeah, they're the not Nazis. who they used to be. Yeah, they've yeah. They really glowed up. <laughs> <laughs> Rebranding. Uh, um, so then they. Essentially, they're invited back to um, Cross Technologies or PIM Technologies, whatever we're calling it at this point. Um, along with it, oh, and they have to make a plan because after coming to this thing, which here's the other thing, he calls her up. He tells her that we we're increasing security, but he knows she's there. Right. So why give her the heads up? Because he's already planning to trap them. Yeah. And so that's exactly what it is. That's oh, why he's that saying, does make like, sense. Maybe that was the 20 yeah, seconds I fell asleep. I'm s- to show that he doesn't know they're planning a heist. Yeah. And to say, that's, yeah. that's what I would do. It's, he's brilliant that way. Yeah, he is brilliant that way. Um, they do this whole heist where they come in through the water main. Um, all the side characters get good jobs in here. I loved this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he traps him in the same container that they had the original suit in. It's a double cross. Everybody's pointing guns at one another. And it blows up into a great fight scene. It's a heist movie. (laughs) Well, and I like how they use um, Scott Lang as in like, they do a great job where the the mother or the daughter and father have like the plan, right? And they're the ones who know everything. Like, sit down, Scott. We know this. But then they do that classic where Scott will be like, expand the team or like he has these new ideas Mm -hmm. which is like they they do so many tropey things in this movie actually really well and they feel fresh even though that's like a classic thing it also feels fresh because it breaks from the marvel mold yeah yeah into the ocean's 11 mold yeah this is kind of when they're they're most successful is when they take the marvel formula but they 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 layer on they map it over a different genre yeah even the soundtracks like straight up Mm -hmm. stolen from 
James Bond or something. Yeah, it's great. I love Ant-Man's theme. One of the big qualms as somebody who listens to a lot of movie scores, like when I work and stuff, I'll put them on. Marvel is notorious for having very bad themes. Like you can't really hum any of the Marvel hero themes because they're not, they're meant to be generic. Yeah. Yeah. The Avengers you would know. Ant-Man's theme sticks out to me. I really like this theme because it reminds me of a James Bond theme. Yeah. That one's good. I think that's one area where DC has the leg up. Like, oh, hands down. Yeah, you know Superman's theme. Who? Superman's? Oh, DC. DC's, yeah. DC. Who is DC that? <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. I don't uh, know. This her. is a Panera Marvel <laughs> co- uh, podcast. <laughs> Popular in DC do not exist. We're brand loyal here. <laughs> yeah. Dick Clark. So, um, here, let me see where we're at. Uh, the high C gets captured. When he Stop. attempts to steal the yellow jacket, he, along with Pym and Van Dyme, are captured by Cross. Captured is a strong way to say they're captured for like 20 seconds. Yeah, but they're about to be killed. Yeah. Who intends to sell both the yellow jacket and the Ant-Man suits to Hydra. Lang breaks free, and he and Van Dyne dispatch most of the Hydra agents. Though one flees with his vial of Cross particles. We don't see him right he gets away with those particles yeah so like potentially Loop that ball. could still come back because he hasn't come back with those particles yet yeah there are other yellow jackets throughout the comic history okay other other giant mans too that's good to know because like we see him run and then there's a bunch of chaos and i just assumed he got caught somewhere in the no. chaos the fight scene here is really cool what, like the rest of the movie? The, uh, particularly Ant-Man versus the Hydra agents. Particularly sure. when they're oh, still in the lab yeah. and he's using the size of... And he runs on the gun. And all those things are really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like the bedroom fight scene as well. I like the helicopter scene. I like all of them, but particularly for something for some reason to me, the, the lab scene has the greatest impact. This one has is where the action starts a bit. Yeah. yeah. Before he was doing like just very small person in big mm-hmm. world stuff uh, surrounded by the ants and things. This one's like, oh, they are shooting at you. Oh, yeah. Any one of those bullets, you're dead. Yeah. In the, in the little, like, model city. It, that's pretty fun. I love when the, the sound changes to what he's actually hearing, which is giant grenades, like, exploding. Yeah. yeah. It was very Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Here, okay, so I do have I do have one qualm. because And it's hard because I love it. I love that the juxtaposition between how dramatic it is on their scale and how comically tiny it is on Mm -hmm. our scale. But at the same time, if when he is the Ant-Man and he punches a human and that human flies across the room, why then when he throws a toy car, does it kind of like scatter across the window pane? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. And that's (laughs) fine. We just accept that. But it, it is one, I do have to take a moment to say, ugh, all right, we're in it. And just continue. Maybe because he didn't have the leverage on it. Because like, yeah, if you're sure. grabbing sure. a giant beanbag or a big giant like rubber ball, you have the strength to throw something that size a very long or something that weighed a long ways, but you don't have the leverage to throw it. Also, could you meet, could you imagine being the scientist that gets to work on this film and like figure out the physics of that would be a fun job. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Calculate like your spreadsheet is all. If a man with this density and this strength throws a toy car, what does it look like from his scale? And then they, that would be a fun job. And like, how much damage can a bug zapper do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we get oh. to the helicopter fight then? Let's get to the helicopter fight. So the they, fight. The, he follows him into the helicopter. This fight is so cool. Yeah. 
they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth with um, they're in the briefcase. They're out of the briefcase. Everything about this scene is. Fun. I just love that the bad guys just like straight up shooting the pilots, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cut back and the cut back and forth between the back of the helicopter, which is the size of a Mazda Miata, in yeah. all reality, like the the cockpit of a helicopter. They shut their like, Oh, they're bringing it up here. But the, the pilots have so many good lines. Yeah. They literally say, like, "We gotta put this down." Yeah, <laughs> we gotta land this guy. A minute ago, when they're shooting in the back, they're like, "Oh, they'll work it out." I love that. I love that they're t- tumbling through the air in the briefcase. It's I think that's so, so good. Cool. I think it's all like, the jokes, the heavy-handed jokes in this scene, I'm here for all, every single one of them. The bedroom scene fight is gold. Gold. Yeah. It's uh, it is fun. But they even do like oh, the iPhone has the music turned. Oh on. yeah, disintegrate. <sighs> that's fun. Marvel loves a way to casually introduce the soundtrack that'll play during this fight scene. Mm-hmm. There was a kicking a stereo or something yeah. and turns it on. It's Very so good. Of the galaxy. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that was fun. The uh, once they get into the pool and the family, and then the bug zapper with the ping pong paddle. He's like, "Oh, I think I did it. I think I won the fight." Yeah. When when Paul Rudd just goes like, "It's cool," and then the family screams. At yeah, him. yeah, <laughs> it's cool. He's so funny. He's so likable. Um, however, at this point, he is arrested by this douche cop. This cop is a. He sucks. This cop just saw a building explode and then, like, be a sucked tank into come out of there. And he's like, "Well, I gotta get this guy. Gotta get the father of my stepkid." Yeah. Ugh. What a monster. Gross. And then, so when they're in the cop car, they hear over the radio that something's happening at um, Scott's daughter's house, or what's her name? Uh, yeah, Cassie. Cassie. Yeah. Something's happening at Cassie's house. They rush over there. He. He gets the suit back on and fights him in her bedroom. Amazing bedroom scene. Um, he then has to shrink down to quantum level, like micro, like down to smaller than an atom. Well, he has to get down to smaller than the molecules of his backpack to slip into his backpack and like fuck up his his technology. Right. But he can't turn it off, so he shrinks down to the quantum realm. Right, but let's let's talk about this bedroom fight. This All right. is yeah, you skipped over the best. This part of the okay, this train the scene is so good. And it's so very funny. funny. It's <laughs> like he runs through the carpet, which is essentially mm. a cornfield. Right, brilliant. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, and to think about this in juxtaposition with every other Marvel movie, where the Hulk yeah. is destroying the world, the Shatari come and are going to take mm-hmm. over. And this whole fight takes place in a girl's bedroom, in a child's bedroom, but only that, like, on her little train set is... Yeah. Ah, the scale of it all is perfect. And she's watching it with real terror and fear. (laughs) Yeah. 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 When he turns Thomas the Tank Engine, he makes him giant, and it blows through the roof of the house. Genius. When the ant... Gets yeah, large gets and it. comes down the stairs and tackles the cop. And then Judy Greer screams. Yeah. And then the guy's just like, that's a messed up looking dog. That's a dog. messed up dog. Yeah. And then <laughs> so funny. The, the yellow jacket where he's about to get run over by the train. Because he hasn't yeah. been in the suit a lot. Of yeah. course, if you see something that looks like a massive train about to run over, of course you're going to get scared. But yeah. And the quick flip of like, mm, you're fine. Oh. And I like the yellow jacket's suit. I think he's cool. Sure. I think it's cool that he shoots his lasers and stuff. Um, it's a good fight scene. It's it, great. To your point, it's also nice that they have 
it can be a little exhausting when every Marvel movie results in the major destruction of a city in the world. Because right. at what point does it lose its specialness? So then for this to be like, no, it just kind of fucked up a little girl's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, okay. barely. And then like the, the whole stakes isn't necessarily the world's going to end. Exactly. It's Scott's just trying to get back with his daughter. Oh, so good. And this guy is a turd as well. Like, why are you going to kill this little girl? What's that going to do? Right. And so to get back with his daughter, he has to go into the quantum realm. He has to stop this guy from killing his daughter. So he's like, well, I'll give up my life because I know yeah. this is what happens. I love you, Cassie. Oh, so good. And the quantum realm is so cool. Were you high when you watched that part? You know I was. <laughs> and you know Andy was sitting right next to me and said, you're really enjoying this right now, aren't you? Because I had fully slipped into silence for that last time. I was just in awe. This is where I could never make a movie for many reasons, but I could never make the decision that that's the design. Like oh. Marvel's design of space, the universe, the stones, any cool special effect, like they're kind of stuck with that once they do that. Yeah. And like Doctor Strange is amazing. But yeah. Like, how do you come to that visual and like decide on that? Oh. That's all I can think about when I watch those scenes. I'm like, so incredible. How do you decide? I'm that's sure it goes through a go. team of 20, 30 people. I bet. I, I think know. this one, I think this movie more than most others had a lot of like leeway. Like they're, because sure. like you said, this doesn't really feel super connected to the rest of the world mm -hmm. of Marvel's MCU. And it also feels like, well, if Ant-Man's bad, that's fine. Well, let me say this. Sure. Now rewatching them all together, first with Guardians of the Galaxy, I saw not only setting up how they were going to set it up for the rest of the MCU as a larger whole, but you see them starting to do what they hadn't done prior, which is set up these individual trilogies as well. At the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy, they start talking, for no reason out of nowhere, start talking about uh, Star-Lord's father. Because then you go, oh, okay, that's what the second one's going to be about. This one, they did such a good job of leaving you on a cliffhanger of like, oh, we can go get Hope's mom. There's yeah. hope to get to find this woman. He made it out of the quantum realm. So part of me wonders how much of this was Kevin Feige in phase two being like, okay, we have some success here. Let's not only set up how it they're all going to come together, but also set up how we'll continue these individual trilogies on these separate tracks. I have to say It's just so much planning. He's got to be so type A. Because I said something on the last podcast that's about to come true in real life. And so I feel like now I have to say my other theory. I am very, very nervous that Marvel is about to, with the Eternals, lose what makes Marvel so, what makes the MCU so great to me, which is that it's all connected, but you have to go see everything. But like, it's not overwhelming to do so. It's like one to two movies a year mm -hmm. or so. And I feel like this new phase since after Endgame it's about to get out of control and we're about to lose all the strings. Very well could happen. Yeah, I mean, part of me was like, maybe more people in a game should have died um, so that we can have a clean cut. 
There's rumors that they're bringing back the ones who died. They can't. They can't stop themselves over there. Well, I think they're a little worried about dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Black Widow didn't do. I mean, because mostly because the pandemic, Black Widow didn't do as well as they wanted. Shang Chi didn't do as well as they wanted. And I think the Eternals is probably gonna not do as well as they wanted. Yeah, that's not looking great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Meanwhile, will say, Venom. Oh, we'll talk about those wigs. It's doing he, great. <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think the movie business is ever coming back. I don't think there will ever be another. I'm going to oh, knock on no. wood. Oh, I, I don't think there will ever be another, not never another, but I don't think billion dollar movies are going to be two, three a year anymore. Because I just think there's such, the market is so flooded with phenomenal content that's being produced by people who are not beholden to what their last project does. Disney has so much money from other revenue streams that they can continue to chuck, like push out all of these Disney plus series that are, million a pop to produce. Amazon and Apple can now continue to produce these things that even if they never make their money back on their streaming services, they have other revenues to ensure that they provide phenomenal. I mean, mean, eventually Mandalorian will have a film. But my point being is that when there's that much phenomenal content to watch from the couch of your home, you have to be more and more invested to go to a movie to see something new, especially when that content... But that's what I'm saying, is that I think at some point, any streamed show can just choose to make their big finale a movie. That's like what Star Trek did, what X-Files did. Oh, yeah, that could happen. But I mean, as far as like Marvel movies continuing to be a billion dollars a pop, like they were towards the end of Endgame... Then well, again, maybe if they start working towards a major endgame, they just bring the Fantastic again. Four. From a monetary standpoint, a, the, a much bigger portion of their uh, sales are coming from outside the U.S. So I think in those countries, they a lot of them. I mean, if you go to like England, they've got like three channels on their or seven channels on their TV. So they have a lot less content op, like options mm-hmm. than we do. So I think a, the film industry is definitely not going away. From a worldwide perspective. Oh, no, no, no. But, but I mean, the idea of a blockbuster making, a, like the idea that these Marvel movies are going to be $700, $800 million a pop, I just oh, do not see that happening No, again. I think that's happening. I think yeah. it's all going to come, uh, like at least half of that's going to come from China. Yeah. China's I think they're all going to be. Will, when will China let another American movie in their market? Like China has not let uh, Shang-Chi, Eternals, or Black Widow given them any release dates. Which is nuts because like it's Disney wild. made Shang-Chi 4. That yeah. Oh like, man! They're, they're, the amount of concessions, like I mean, the NBA was like, "Hey, let's." Uh, <laughs> nobody can say a bad word. No one can say the word Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. But uh, I do not want to be in the business of making, having to negotiate with governments about right? the that. Where's is your podcast so stream? Huh? Where's your podcast stream? Is it in all fifty states? I would imagine. Okay. <laughs> but you in Canada yet? Movie movies have actually rebounded. October was better than I think twenty eighteen, where it was be- the year before the pandemic started. It's it all coming back. October we'll October say, was better. Yeah. I think a lot of the films you're not seeing them, the billion dollar movies. You might not see them as much in the next year because there's going to be so many different movies that were held off and juxta- are not going to be like. Well, we next will see, hmm, gentlemen. The plot thickens. Here's the other thing. They need to start building more IMAX movie theaters. No. Like, not for Ant Man. 
Yeah. He's so small. It's so small, I, I can't see him. it. It needs to be bigger. This is a phone movie. Yeah. Oh, God. So um, that sort of brings us to the end of this. But they beat this guy. Um, he comes back from the quantum realm. They There's a mid-credit scene where we see that Pym, or um, Hank Pym has created a suit for his daughter. Yeah. Um, which looks much cooler than the suit they end up using in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I liked the yellow. It's a lot more blue in the other one. The Wasp suit is better than Ant-Man's suit. Like, yeah. Oh, they give it the Wasp is better than Ant-Man. And it's sure. like, why don't you give Ant-Man the ability to fly? Yeah. But... And we don't really talk about Ant-Man's true power. It's not that he can get small and get big and stuff. It's he can control ants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the most populated like species of anything on earth, like billions and billions. You could you don't need to move. No. In that scene where he wakes up in their house and she's looking at him, I first of all I was like, um, okay, something sexy gonna happen. And then it, I'm immediately grossed out because he turns over and there's all these humongous bugs on the floor. Bullet ants, right? Oh. The ones that it's like, because if you look these ants up, like getting bit by one is the worst pain in your life. I don't ever, ugh, yikes. That's all you need. Get a hundred of those guys. You can take over a city. Holy bananas. Uh, So let's talk a little bit. So how do we feel about the movie at the end of it? I mean... On a scale of 1 to 10, comparing to other regular movies, not just MCU movies, what would we give this film? Uh, I really liked it, especially on the last viewing. I was like, and going through all the Marvel phases, I was like, wow, this actually does really stand out and feel special. I'd give it it a 9. I'd give it a 9. We get a nine. nine what did you zero. give uh, Avengers? Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. Like seven point three, seven point five. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is way better than Age of Ultron. It's very good. I liked it a lot. I'm a Booba. harsh. I'm a harsh movie critic. Go ahead and be a harsh movie critic, because I'm going to be a very, very loose one. I know. <laughs> well, what what is an example of a ten for you? What's so, an example of like so a six or seven. I have you know a letterbox where you rate your movies and i get i get direct messages about people who are like you're way too harsh on movies to me a 10 out of 10 film there's only like three or four that exist because it's a 10 out of 10 so like titanic gone with the wind wizard of oz those type of movies that are so two movies in the 1930s and one Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the last I'm saying, years. I'm saying like perfect films that everyone can look at, everyone can enjoy. How can you shit on it? Go watch Gone with the Wind again and watch Ant-Man and tell me which, which one yeah. you come out of having I a And then, and then the you wind. watch Avatar and you tell me how that didn't make it and on the Avatar's list. Avatar's garbage, right? <laughs> then there's, so, I guess $2 billion. So not, like you watch not, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. You tell me how that's not a 10 out of 10 film. <laughs> honestly, that one's up there. <laughs> I do love it. Paddington 2 is great. Scooby-Doo I watched Mo- a whole, Zombie Island. I watched is... a whole think piece about how if you watch Scooby-Doo 2 before you watch Scooby-Doo 1, it turns them into amazing films. And it was compelling. It's on YouTube. You can find it. But uh. So what's your 10 out of 10? So anyway, what's, yeah, most what's movies are a 5 for me. What's a 10 out of 10 for me? Yeah, for your scale. And what's like a 7 or an 8? Well, I just told you my 10 out of 10s. Oh, I thought those were fake. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm saying like Gone with the Wind. I'm yeah. saying like The Godfathers, 10 out of 10. Okay. Sure. Okay. I, I, 10 out of 10 to me means it's beyond you. It's like. It's like it, a cultural phenomenon. It has to be. I, you, I love the movie Pitch Perfect. To right. me, it's a perfect film. I love it. But it's not a 10 out of 10 movie because I'm going to meet five out of 10 people, like my father, who I'd never recommended to. Yeah. Right. How but can that's I not... say that's a. T- 
Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about. So that would be like a nine for you. Pitch Perfect would be a nine for you. Sure. Okay. Okay. Moulin Rouge. Love that movie. What's the worst movie you think you've ever seen? Oh, there's a lot unwatchable films. Avatar is up there. Avatar is one of the worst films. Yeah, I think it's really. Really? Oh my lord! You don't find anything redeemable about like all the art direction of it and how large the scale and the world building and all that stuff is. I actually thought the art was pretty lazy. Yeah, same. I thought it was like this is a jungle. I think what I'm finding out by doing this podcast is like I just have bad taste. I mean, t- tam- papyrus for showing. Oh, look how mysterious! Yeah. Even their subtitles are weird. Um, well, then what's the story? Well, problems. you think of your worst film. What's your ten out of ten film? It's some ten out of ten films for me. I think the Back to the Future is a, a perfect sure. film. Hell yes! Sure. I'll I give that to you. Jurassic Park. Sure. Hell Absolutely. yes! I would put The Mummy as a ten out of ten. Sure. I'll okay. Give that to you. But that's probably closer to a nine out of ten. Um, Spinal Tap is a ten out of ten. Sure. Mm-hmm. And Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Endgame. Ten out, maybe 10 out of 10. Sure. Endgame, Endgame is phenomenal. So, all that to say, even if I think a movie's very good, it's usually a five for me. So I'll give this, like, because I don't want to upset you. I'll no, gi- no. I'll give, give it your an, actual score. I'll give it an eight, but I'd probably give it, like, a seven, seven and a half. Really? I would have thought mm-hmm. you said, like, a six if most movies No, I think the first time I watched it, I would have done that. But looking, again, rewatching all of these and the quality of, like, some of the first... Thor now to me is an amazing character, and I think Chris Hemsworth did an amazing job. But when you look at the first Thor, he's just a beef. they just don't know what they're he's doing. He's just with a it, beefcake yeah. who doesn't know who he is. He's Whereas, a genocidal beefcake, rich boy. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, but like so, Paul Roy Raid monster in. from Roy the heavens. He goes off and tries to kill every one of a species on a planet. Right. Whereas like yeah, it's like read a book, dude. Like punch a hole in the wall like a normal psychopath. Right. He's been Ooh. alive for thousands of years. He is so stupid. Right. Sorry. No. That's so compared to wherever they take Ant Man and Scott Lang's character, we'll always look back and I think know that this was a fully fleshed out great character. So let's give yeah. it let's give it an eight. All right. I think we all know what my answer is gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> this has joined the ten out of ten parade <laughs> for me. It gets its own float. What's your least favorite ten out of ten Marvel movie? Oh, it's gotta be Thor. So far, Thor one, yeah. I have to say. Most people will say Thor two. Yeah. But I disagree. I don't think they're that different from one another, and I think Thor one is worse. Yeah. I think I think people remember the recency. For some reason they remember Thor two being way worse. But right. Thor one yeah. is not good. Yeah. However, I'd be hard pressed to defend Thor two if you back me up against a wall. So I mean, <laughs> take it or leave it. Those are probably the two worst. Yeah. I hate. I did not like Captain Marvel. Uh, mostly because Samuel L. Jackson's like an eighty-year-old man, and they were like, "Hey, he's 30. Uh, <laughs> See, I can suspend my disbelief so easily. It's a real issue. I'm hard to be I a critic. Watch it. That part's bad. I. Uh, well, we're not talking about yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um. So let's ask a couple other questions. One, I like to get to know, and Andy, I don't know if you've been, if you've heard the podcast since we started adding this. I want to have you guess the Tomometer Meter score. So on Rotten Tomatoes, they have a critic score out of one or one hundred, and then they have an audience score out of one and one hundred or one to one hundred. What do we think the critics gave this film, and what do we think the audiences gave this film? I'll go first. Okay. I think the audience probably shit on this film. Okay. So they probably gave it a 60 out of 100. Okay. And what do you think about the critics? I think the critics were worse on this film and maybe gave it like a 
50 out of 100. Okay. I'm going to give you a moment to redo that because there's never been a Marvel movie that's gotten lower than a 60, like... From 69, I think. Or no, a 60. Never gotten lower than a 60 from critics. Okay, then I'm going to say they probably gave this, what I say audience did, 60. And I'm going to say critics gave it a 75. Okay. I'm going to say audiences gave it a 74. And I think critics, I think it might be a critical darling. I think critics actually gave it an 82. Critics gave this movie... An 83. Wow. And I saw your mouth form the three before you went to the two. That's not what I saw. And audiences <laughs> gave this movie an 86. Dang. So I really remember this being a dud, and I was just wrong. Factually wrong. Oh, is that good? That's very good. Okay. I think, because on the second viewing, because it does not really... It's got a popcorn and everything. <laughs> it doesn't I don't play into the... the the any of the phases really like no. it does not matter and uh, i also think know, it had a lot of low expectations people really didn't think it would be good and then it was so funny and so well done and what do you mean it doesn't play into any of the phases i think this is the first movie that like you could say actually makes sense for what's coming well only i mean that's because we knew what was coming because of the time stuff but like no other character is big character the falcons in this that's yeah. it mm. yeah they're not saying he's not saving the world from anybody. Oh, Peggy Carter's through. in it. Come on, we're already through two Avengers. Mm-hmm. We're already Tony Stark's through. dad. But Tony think about Stark, what's happening to the other Iron Man. Yeah. He's not in this. Think we're about what's through. happening to the other Avengers. Like, do you ever think they'll make prequels? I hope not. I think oh. prequels are always a bad idea. Oh. I mean, sometimes they're done really well, and I'm surprised. But I think to your point, like going back and making Samuel L. Jackson 30 when he's actually 70, it doesn't work. It's it, it's hard to make it work. But they could make. Like I think Donald the new Hover, his character, like they did with uh, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it's solo. Was if the, so oh, good. if they did, I would be <laughs> in favor. <laughs> I would be in favor of doing like uh, prequels that are set in the fifties. Like if we, that's what I'm saying. That's cool, and there's but no, it's, no character, no the same character. I'm, that's well, the thing is, I think same characters but different actors. Like Tony Stark's dad and Peggy Carter. Be so two people play Tony Stark's dad. Um, that real Hawkeye that's in this one with the white hair. Yeah, from I Mad never... Men. Yeah. And um, what's his face with the big black mustache? Yeah. yeah. They could have him be Tony Stark with... <laughs> we didn't give a fuck, right? Two different actors playing Howard Stark. We yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> but Michael Douglas got a... Mm. Put a face on his face. Sorry. Yeah, it was <laughs> wild. Um, so then we have a couple, a few last questions. Who in this movie could be replaced by Rosie O'Donnell and Danny DeVito? This is tough because there's a small cast in this movie. Rosie O'Donnell will be Judy Greer. I would disagree. I would cast Rosie O'Donnell as um, Michael Pena's character. Of course you would. Uh-huh. I think it would okay. be fun to have Rosie also have had some time in prison and like sort of be cool with prisoners. Um, and also have those... I think... Rosie's voice played over all those people lip syncing to her would be very fun. I've got two answers. Okay. You have to well, you have to do your Danny DeVito first. Oh yeah, you too. Um Danny DeVito would be Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would be I can't get any smaller. Yeah. I think he'd be a great Antony. 
That was my. They give him a voice. Give him a voice. He's say, telepathic. Yeah, they're both <laughs> put him both as ants just in the background. Yeah, just like they're not ants, but they're just really small. Danny DeVito and Rosie O'Donnell just walking along with all the other ants, yeah. making the bridge, uh, or make them be the cops. Make them be this. That would be fun. Side by side cops. In all serious, Danny DeVito could be a good Hank Pym too. I would not. I would. I think that would be wonderful. A good. I think. Hank yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm going to stand by Danny DeVito in this oh. moment. And I think that he could play. I think if you think about what's his butt's performance as Hank Pym in this, it is already kind of like he's doing a little bit of Danny no. DeVito. Well, absolutely not. Here'd be even better. If they were the prospective buyers, uh, yeah. his Danny DeVito is part of Hydra. And if you give him the line of like, we're not like we used to be, that's <laughs> gold. Yeah. <laughs> Also, think of Danny DeVito smashing that guy's face in the first scene, like <laughs> jumping up and <clears throat> both hands. <laughs> All right. So who in this movie has hot dad energy and who in this movie has hot mom energy? Danny DeVito would be the Baskin Robbins manager. Oh, that is good. perfect. And Rosie could be the, the like customer. customer sucks. Whatever's hot and fresh. Whatever's hot and fresh. Oh, on her phone. Yeah. I love that they're a package deal also. And I hope they I don't know why they aren't I want to write a movie for them to do. Have together. they ever done a film together? No. Throw You know what would be train? so funny, and I don't mean to age cast them if that's a thing, but I would love to see them do a heist movie where they have to steal prescription medication because they can't afford it anymore. Because it's like beyond their means of affording. Sure. And they have to steal all this prescription medication for like the the nursing home they either work at or live in. That would be great. I know. I know that's painting them a little older than they are, but I don't no, think they're so. very old. Yeah. Well, I don't know about Rosie, but Danny's like probably in his seventies. Rosie's oh, probably 50s, that would be a good time. Yeah. Um, so who in this movie has hot dad energy and hot mom energy? Well, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is Paul a Rudd hot, hot, dad. hot dad. Hands down. He and calls her. What's he out? call her? Mm-hmm. Like pumpkin or something. He calls his daughter something. Very cute. Um, very hot dad. Yeah, it is pumpkin or something. No, I think it's Cass. peanut. Peanut. That uh, little girl is so adorable. She makes me want to have kids, but I don't want to have kids. You, If you had a kid, it wouldn't be like that kid. That kid's no. too great. She's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> She's they write what she offset? says. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare. Wouldn't it be funny if Won't she was? Eat vegetables. <laughs> uh, Judy Greer has hot mom energy in it. Probably. Was that a question? Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, that was hot dad and hot mom energy. Yeah, I was trying to think of another. I mean, th- this does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Uh, Judy Greer rarely does. Not a lot of not a lot of diversity in this cast. Nope. Well, I guess no. in the, his the high school. All the criminals uh, are diverse. Yeah, Isn't that rough. an interesting? <laughs> <laughs> they made sure to bring in some people of color to play criminals. But <laughs> right, it's Eastern European uh, black guy yeah. and all Hispanic the, guy. Wow, all, all <laughs> the all the scientists that are like buying vying for this suit, all old white dudes yeah, <laughs> at the well, beginning. 1989, all white people. Yeah. Um, Hot mom energy. I don't... The wasp, sure. She's I'm going to say this. Is she? I'm going to say this. Hot dad energy, absolutely Frank. Or uh, uh, Scott Pym. Or what? Scott Lang. Lang. Hot mom energy, because these things can be gender neutral here on the podcast. for For sure. I don't say... Judy Greer because she's so awful to him. It's a weird 
she's got only a few lines in there. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Bad. That's yeah. what yeah. I'm saying. So I'm going to go ahead and give hot mom energy to um, the villain. Oh, Darren Cross? Yeah. Because he seems kind of really, uh, and I mean, this is, but he's like really upset with everybody around him. He's he's kind of attractive. I mean, it's hard to find a hot mom in the bunch. Actually, I think, you're I think Michael Pena is my hot mom. Sure. Michael Pena is absolutely the hot mom. I he's take it back and I agree. Very caring. Mm-hmm. He is checking in with funny everybody. Funny as hell. Time, very I don't funny. think there's a hot mom. That's uh-huh. I, I think Michael Pena is the hot mom. Yeah. Could you leave? <laughs> We're about to wrap up. Okay, talk to you later. <laughs> that was um, somebody breaking into your home. Yeah. <laughs> Burglaring me. Burglarying. Um, and that's essentially it. Any final thoughts or feelings on the movie Ant-Man before we wrap up? I think this movie gets a bad rap because people forget about it because it doesn't have a perfect sequential part yeah. of the of the of the world and we haven't really gotten our ant-man saga yet Hmm. he's always kind of a side character and all the big stuff anyways but man is it it is smart it is uh different and unique in this mcu universe it absolutely is and it is the juxtaposition just of the the fight that takes place in a girl's bedroom (laughs) is perfect compared to all of new york getting destroyed all of security yeah. and the world possibly ending, like the movie right before it. It's like, you know what? Sometimes the family is just as impactful and intense. Or even more because you care about every person involved. Right. You really want Scott yeah. to hang out with his daughter. How about you? Any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I think the only... I like it. I like it a lot more. I agree with everything you said. The one thing I wish is that they had given the wasp. I kept thinking, like, if you're Evangeline Lilly, which I think is this actor's name, Mm -hmm. or the woman who looks like her. She's so gorgeous. She's from Lost, yeah. Yeah. I think she, if I were her, I mean, I'm sure she's thrilled. She's in a Marvel movie. I'd be pissed that you give me a suit as, like, the post-credit twist. Like, give me one scene, I would think. Yeah. Um... I would say one thing that really helps me enjoy this movie even more than I had before was knowing a little bit more about Hank Pym from the comics because I do think that uh, Michael Douglas does a good job of bringing that to the character even if you don't know it. Like when I didn't know it before, I just thought, oh, this is a guy who's passionate about his thing. When I do know it, it makes his choices, like his outbursts and stuff seem scarier, which made the movie seem... Because then it makes Evangeline... Is her name Evangeline Lilly? Yeah. yeah. It makes um, Hope's reaction, it makes her seem more strident and like fearless um, by association. So thank you for bringing that to the podcast and to my life in general. And that is all we have for the lovely Ant-Man. Goodbye. Thanks for having us. Disney Adult is part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. That is the Trident network.com and also don't forget to follow disney adult on instagram at at disney.adult.podcast